It is Thursday the 28th of July. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by my co-host and the great Shane Lee. Shane, look, uh, I read this next story with a lot of interest, how music can can soothe your soul. And I've always been envious of people like you that can play an instrument. I I failed to use the recorder in any appropriate (laughs) way when I was at school. But this is nice. It is, mate. So it's a great article. And look, I totally believe it. Um, For me, music, uh, there's nothing more relaxing than sitting down with a guitar and just uh, on a Sunday afternoon. It's probably not relaxing for the people around me who got to listen to the rubbish that I play, but it's uh, it can definitely soothe your mind and your soul, mate. It's, uh, it's a great part of my life, that's for sure, music. Yeah, the right kind of music. I remember when I hosted the Okie Dokie Karaoke in Goulburn <laughs> for 50 bucks and a beer voucher by 11 o'clock when some of the versions of K-San came out. That wasn't soothing much at all. There's a stack of stuff to talk about today. Of course, Dave Warner snubbing the Big Bash. Nick Kyrgios has gone down injured and Ricky Nixon has a fight with a journalist. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. Dave Warner, um, he's, he's taking the money from the UAE, it looks like. Yeah, look, big, big news here. And I think cricket, um, and I never thought I'd say this, I think cricket in Australia is in really big trouble. What, what you're finding now is that um, Dave Warner has come out and he has basically snubbed the Big Bash, um, only because he's offered about $700,000 a year for three years to play in this new UAE league. And what, what you're finding now, mate, is that the IPL and the IPL owners in India are buying up these leagues around the world and they're trying to get uh, players like Warner and all these other um, high-profile players around the world to sign a central contract. And that'll mean that they'll sign and then be put into these leagues around the world that they own, effectively saying that India will end up owning world cricket. And without players being able to sign contracts with Australia to play test cricket, that means they can't get the sponsors or the TV rights. So cricket's in a really precarious position right now. Particularly when they've sort of launched this whole campaign to try and get international players here to Australia to boost the numbers and boost the, the high-profile mm. element of, of the sport. And then one of your modern-day greats, so to speak, decides to go somewhere else. It's a bit of a slap in the face. It definitely is, mate. If you're looking at about 140 cricketers world uh, around the world um, service all the, all the, all the leagues and all the um, the tournaments. Um, if this IPL consortium can actually secure the, I suppose, the the central rights to um, for 80 of these cricketers, they pretty much will control world cricket. Mm, let me see. It's big trouble, big trouble. Yeah, it is, absolutely, particularly when you've, you've got this campaign going. Now, tennis, uh, Nick Kyrgios, he was outstanding at Wimbledon, took it nearly the whole way. He was in the final against Djokovic, and uh, Djokovic didn't get it his own way in that final either. Of course, the next uh, Grand Slam is the US Open, and one of the lead-up tournaments, well, this is a worry for Nick because he's had to pull out with a knee injury. And, look, he's, he's showing some... Uh, you know, some pretty genuine emotion here that he's quite upset. So that's probably a good sign for his tennis. Yeah, very much so. He's um, it's not a, it's not great timing for him. He's he's in probably the form of his life, um, and 
go to Atlanta where he's actually won this tournament before and played really good tennis. He was looking to put on a good show. Look, he's hopeful to um, hopefully maybe play the doubles with his good old mate Kokonakis. Um, but, yeah, if, if he can't play the US Open, there's no Djokovic because of the um, not being vaccinated and Nadal's not fully fit. Geez, it opens up the men's draw. Liz Cambage, when she hit the scene in basketball, everyone was just wide-eyed thinking, how good is this player? The last part of her career has been, it really has been a train smash, hasn't it, unfortunately? And this departure from the LA Sparks, where it looks like, you know, well, at least the accusations look this way, that she's been undermining other players, it's not good. It's not good. And um, and as you said, these accusations just um, make her out to be just hard work. And look, she, initially she wanted, when she was there, she wanted uh, to wear a, a jersey number that had been retired by the um, by the team, so they said no to that. Then she wanted to take a Chinese player, num- the number one, and pretty much um, forced her into taking that number. And then she would just throw her teammates under the bus after every game and say, you don't give me the ball enough. And she said, I just can't do this anymore and walked out. So they have um, pretty much had a contract divorce mid-season. And that's the one thing, isn't it, with Australia, with, with sport anywhere in the world, and, and you'd say it to your kids as well, it's like when you're in a team, you, you really have to understand what team means, what yeah. listening to coaches mean, what getting along with your players means. Yeah, I totally agree, Tim. And, and unfortunately, um, all the reports and look, everyone can't be wrong except for Liz. Um, she has her opinion on everything. But what's been pretty consistent is that she's pretty selfish in the way she comes across. It's all about her and it's her way or the highway. And uh, she just thinks she's above everyone else. Well, unfortunately, if you're playing a team sport, you can't be. Yeah, a few of the Australian guys have uh, obviously already signed up to the the Live Tour, the Saudi Arabian, you know, this Rebel League at golf. But um, some good news for them that they can still play in the Australian summer. So Matt Jones, who of course is the Australian Open champ, has an opportunity to defend it. Yeah, fantastic for Matt Jones. Gets to defend that. And um, he's currently playing the third LOV tournament at the moment. So... He can have his cake and eat it too, by the sounds of things. I think we'll see more of it, to be honest with you. I think we yep. will. Stay with us because we're going to talk AFL, NRL and much more. Now, Ricky Nixon, uh, he was very high profile there for a while, wasn't he, as a, as a player manager in the AFL this has all got a little bit ugly with him in Port Melbourne uh, into a bit of a scuffle with a with a journalist from a current affair. It was more than a scuffle. And look, Ricky Nixon was, uh, I suppose, had a real uh, fall from grace back as a probably the biggest player manager, particularly in Melbourne, if not Australia. Um, a number of issues there that sort of, sort of seemed to go away over the years. He's just been tracked by a current affair journalist and he's basically caught on camera. He's elbowed this younger just right right in the face so he's in big trouble it's been reported to the police but it's all about him uh with some new business venture where it's some unproven intravenous infusion treatments that they're saying doesn't have medical um certification and that he should not be dealing this out and he uh he didn't take kindly to the journalist's accusations and uh, elbowed him right in the face Mm. Look, this this jersey story, this manly jersey story, has gone all around the world. To be honest, it's become mm. a, an international uh, story. Callum Mills at, at the Sydney Swans, as and look, many others from many other sports and many other parts of life have expressed their opinion about uh, 
this whole idea. And he's come out and said, well, everyone's welcome at the Swans. Yeah, very good PR from the Swans and from Callum Mills. And look, I didn't realise, but the, the Swans have been playing a pride round against St Kilda since 2016. And, um, you know, what's that, six years after that, the Manly Sea Eagles are doing it in the, in the NRL. So... Yeah, the uh, NRL way behind the AFL in a lot of ways. Yeah, and and what about Trent Robinson? This game is on tonight, of course. Uh, how do you reckon it'll go? Because well, Trent's obviously said something very similar to Callum Mills, and the Roosters were red hot against Newcastle. Uh, they got Joey Manu back this week. Boy, they look strong. Suwali playing out of his skin at just eighteen. Kiri back at five eight. I would find Manly uh, going to be really pushing it uphill. Yeah, I think so. I think the Roosters by 20 points, I'd, I'd have to say, Tim. It's a, it's going to be a bit of a, a trouncing tonight. Um, but yeah, Trent Robertson, along the same lines as Callum Mills, said that everyone should be included uh, and welcome to every sport. He did say, uh, made a really good point, and it's really pertinent that um, that Gotcha for Life are a major sponsor of the, um, the City City Roosters mm. and that young male suicide in this country um, is at all-time high around the world. But in the gay community, for young gay men, it's five times as high. So we need to understand and be cognizant, I suppose, of the issues that they're facing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. And that, that's Gus Wallen. And uh, yep. there was a shot of Hugh Jackman with the, the jersey on, and that ended up on the front page of the Telegraph. So it certainly had some publicity. And it's, and look, it's interesting because it's actually the women's round as well. So, look, uh, rugby league, it starts tonight. Um, never a dull moment in the greatest game of all. <laughs> now, track and field, I, I thought Sergei Bupka's record in the pole vault would never be broken. But what about this guy? Armand Duplantis, he's born in uh, the US. I think he, he, he competes for Sweden. Unfreaking believable, Shane. Well, he's broken his own world record five times now. He's won the world championship mm. gold. Silver, the guy who got silver jumped five metres, 0.94, and he's jumped 6.21. It's just ridiculous. And uh, to break your own world record five times, this guy is, is from another planet. Reminds me of the old joke, Tim, are you a pole vaulter? He goes, no, I'm from Czechoslovakia, but how do you name my name is Volta? <laughs> not bad, Shane. Not bad, not bad. Not a bad dad joke. Um, now, oh, no. the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, they've hardly uh, caught the imagination of the Australian public. <laughs> and it's a bit of a problem with the Commonwealth Games, isn't it? If they're here, like like they were in Melbourne, oh, this is going back 16 years ago, I think now. That's a long time. Uh, or maybe not that long, but, but close to that mark in time. Uh, it really did get some momentum and and even you know Gold Coast didn't get that much but when you go mm. to the north of England like the Australian swimmers you've got like Emma McKee and Ariane Titmus who are beating the best in the world I mean they're going to lap the those in the Commonwealth Games, aren't they? You'd think so. And then throw in there uh, Molly um, O'Callaghan as well. You'd have to think that the Aussies are going to have a, a gold haul for sure. Um, but it's interesting, mate, looking at uh, the athletes, we've got, we're taking 435 athletes to the Commonwealth Games, mm. 76 of them are the Paralympians, eight guides, uh, and 351 able-bodied athletes. And it's beautiful. It goes from um, young Charlie Petrov in diving, who's only 14, mm. is our youngest athlete, right through to Cheryl Linfield uh, in lawn bowls, who's 63. So um, from 14 to 63, we're represented. So all age groups. And it's a, it's a, um, a big uh, bunch of athletes. And we wish them all the best. Oh, we definitely do. And look, yeah. I, I think even from the perspective of we haven't had anything 
consistently for a long time. Lots of sport being cancelled. Uh, yeah, no, that hopefully might give it a little bit of impetus. But um, yeah, the Commonwealth Games, it's going to be a river of gold for Australia, no mm. doubt there. And uh, look, uh, did you see the big shot of King Kong and Birmingham? You would have been to Birmingham a few times. Yeah, well, Birmingham, when I first went there in 1996, was a pretty rough town. And um, mm. it, they've done it up over, over the last probably oh, 20 years. And it's not a bad city now. But uh, they, they really celebrate their history in heavy metal. Um, Cabri's is there, Timmy. So it's um, mm. that's where Cabri started. But, yeah, they have, a, have an affiliation with King Kong, which I always thought was New York, but apparently they're claiming the big gorilla. Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> they make a good curry as well. Now, um, <laughs> I was at the Commonwealth Games in Kuala Lumpur in 1998. It's hard to believe. It's 24 years ago. But, uh, you know, there was cricket there. Um, now, you weren't part of that team, but uh, – from my from my eyes, that a good, lot of fun. I know Darren Lehman played and Brendan Julian played, amongst others. Well, it's probably one of the only regrets in in, in my creating mm. career, Tim, that I wasn't informed to be selected for the Commonwealth Games. And uh, unfortunately, I missed this trip. And the boys reckon it was one of the greatest um, sporting experiences they ever had uh, to be part of the Commonwealth Games team. But I love the story that Gavin Robertson told me that Gavin was making sure um, the off spinner and the drummer in six and out. Um, him and Steve Waugh were going to pretty much every event they could and really, um, I suppose, soaking up the atmosphere of the Olympic Village. But Gavin said we couldn't get enough tickets. We wanted to get to a certain swimming meet. So Gavin found some backdoor way and crawled through some tunnel with Steve Waugh and thought they could get into the um, the finals. But when they popped out of a door thinking they're going to be the back of the stand, they actually popped out onto the the blocks where they're about to dive. And how did you get Steve Waugh and Gavin Robson to get a big roar from the Australian supporters? And they sort of rushed it over to the side and um, sat down with the media and, and watched the race. But uh, yeah, they said it was an amazing um, experience for all of them. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It was it was an extraordinary time. I think Ian Thorpe was 14. And, and yeah. Like, uh, they were just coming through all these great swimmers. And uh, there was a place called the Monkey Bar and a few other bars. I tell you what, <laughs> everyone had a good time in Kuala Lumpur. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. A big thank you to our sponsors. Our fantastic sponsors, the Osher Group. Yep, good people. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Building Resilience Podcast. They play in different arenas, but sports and business have massive similarities. Elite athletes and top business leaders flourish through the physical and psychological demands their high-stress careers place on them. The Building Resilience Podcast explores the world of sport and deconstructs the tools and ethos of world-class athletes that can help us create growth and optimize business and life. Come find the Building Resilience Podcast on your favorite podcast app.